0: Scherner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbook Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator and graphic novelist of the graphic novel series, The Diary of the Stray Dogs, Nigel Lynch. Welcome, Nigel.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for um, sliding into my DMs and wanting to come onto the show. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Nigel Lynch and what are you about?
1: Uh, I am a small indie creator from the Caribbean. Uh, I live in the island of Barbados. And I've been writing comic books for about the last uh, fifteen years or so, and I kind of started as a hobby. And it's now gaining a little bit more momentum, and I'm getting a lot of recognition for it.
0: Okay, well, what is the Diary of the Stray Dogs about?
1: Uh, it's a it's a it's a story set in the future, um, about two hundred years in the future, and it's basically a bunch of Caribbean-based characters in this futuristic setting where the world is a kind of like a cyberpunk uh, future. It's not quite like a dystopian world, but it's from the view of a third world nation. And the the, the people in the story are basically a group of mercenaries and their stories tend to be their adventures or they're hired to do different jobs. Some of them a little bit shady, protection, uh, stuff like that. So it's kind of like a universe where I can tell these different stories from different characters' point of views and and that's how the that's really diary part comes in because we're following different characters, they're telling their point of view uh, and their own stories.
0: Can you go, I guess maybe in a little bit more detail um about what the first one is So the first one is the tragedy of Ruby Pixel, and then the second one is the wounded. Mm-hmm. um just maybe what they but they're about without maybe giving too much away to the listeners?
1: Okay. Uh, so the first story that I kind of released from the series was Ruby Pixel. And it's a story where it kind of deals with technology being online, VR, that kind of stuff. And it kind of dabbles into a bit of like what human trafficking may evolve into or what may constitute us human trafficking in the future, um stuff like that, and exploitation and that kind of thing so this the story follows a character called Ruby Pixel, and in that world she's kind of like a like a video vixen kind of sex idol kind of character where she has like a mass following and that kind of thing and she comes she kind of crosses the wrong people and a hit squad is kind of sent to kill her, but things kind of don't quite work out, and that's how. And so, when you start to see the story unfold, it will kind of see her side of the things, and we also kind of see what the mercenaries kind of do in that story.
0: And can you go a little bit more into the wounded, what readers should expect from from that uh, perspective in this particular character in this story? Right.
1: So, the wounded is uh, about a story of a character called. Shani Belcourt, and she is one of the main characters in the world of the Stray Dogs, where she's the leader of a, a mercenary group called the Maroons, in, and the name Maroons is taken from some uh, Caribbean factions that fought back in time of slavery, um, that ran away slaves, and they call, form groups called the Maroons, and it's all of Jamaica and Haiti. So that's where the group kind of got that name from. So she's the leader of the Maroons, and this story kind of tells her origin about how she kind of took up that mantle or what set her on that course to become this hardened character. So she kind of, kind of see it like a more human side of her. And based on, because of what happened in the story, she kind of gets these wounds that are both physical and emotional. And that's why the story is called The Wounded. And it sets her on the path to be a more ruthless individual later on.
0: So where do you see, I guess, not where do you see, but how much more of the Diary of the Stray Dogs will readers get? Will it be like, is it a three-part series? Is it going to be maybe a six-story arc before it moves on to another one? So how much more should readers expect from you
1: with the Stray Dog? Well, right now I've actually, I have two sequels written for The Wounded. And the way how I kind of set up the world and the the way how the stories are can be told, there's no limit to the amount of stories I can tell because think of it like um, a serialized, like the old serialized TV shows where it doesn't have to be like a big arc. It could be something like the story of the week kind of thing. So I'm trying to do more shorter form stories so that I don't have readers having to wait for Months or years to get the end of a story. So I wrote The Wounded as a one shot, but a kind of beefy one shot. So it's like 30 pages of story. And for the other stories in this series, I'm planning to do them, try to finish the stories in at least three books so that you don't have that long wait. And as indie creators, sometimes we don't get around to finishing or we have to wait so long between issues. You know, the the fan base could kind of be a bit impatient or they have to wait. So to answer your question, there's like unlimited stories. So far, I've probably written about five stories or they're, but they're not, they're in production, I would say.
0: Okay, so let's move a little bit more on to your creative process as a as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess, how, can you just elaborate more on, I guess, from it being a thought in your head like hey i want to do a story about these mercenaries Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: flushing it out because now you have like these two that you have out now and then like five more already in production Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and to now promoting i guess these first two right now while you're still working on the other five so just Mm -hmm. i guess elaborating on your creative process from pretty much start to finish
1: okay so sometimes sometimes these the idea for a story may come up with a concept maybe something I see in the news or encounter fears or uh, something that may be in another like another medium like or like a legend or something from a, a fairy tale or something like that a folk tale and I might say well let me put my own spin on it or what like a kind of like a what if of if this had to happen, taking something familiar, that people are familiar with, and then turning it on his head. So sometimes the idea comes for a story from a concept or a theme that I want to um, talk about or something that I might see as an injustice. Other times I come up with a character and I come up with an interesting character, and then I have to try to figure out what will I put this character into or how can I make this character shine within a story. Um, but I like to come up with the story first, especially now that I have the characters created, um, it's a little easier to just come up with the stories and put them in because when you create a character and the character is kind of like true to his own self, you kind of know when you pluck that put that character into a story, how the character would behave, because they, they're already created and they have their own personality, they have their own traits, that kind of stuff. So at this point, it's more of coming up with creative stories um, because a lot of the characters have kind of been created already.
0: So how was world building for you? Like, was it difficult for you um, to come up with, I guess, your own set of rules and uh, social norms or whatever it may be? Like, how did you manage to create a world that's totally yours and Mm -hmm. integrate your influences into it, but still maintain the diary of the stray dogs as yours in your world and not in someone else's
1: um it's a little bit of you do take influences from other creators and you kind of see what they've done and you may see what you may say well i like what they did then a lot of it sometimes but especially with uh, science fiction and futuristic science fiction we all have an idea of what we think will happen in the future um, just like how we all believe that some some remnant of flying cars may be in the future, or you may then be able to look and say, well, right now we have cars that drive by themselves. So then you kind of you kind of project where would that go from there, that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of your own view of how the future or how things would work in that world, that, and then also taken from other things that you see done well. You don't kind of copy it, but you kind of see what someone else did. And sometimes you can't help but be influenced by certain things. Um, So I watched a lot of science fiction. Um, There are a few movies or a few series that I kind of saw that I kind of like what they did. But a lot of things to do with the future is your own personality. If you have a positive Personality you may have a positive view of how the future would be. You have a negative view, or you may have a more think that the world may head down a more dystopic kind of view. If you're from a first world nation or a third world country, the way how the future is for you is different. Um, how you may, you know, so stuff like that. So for me, with the world building, it's just kind of looking at all the things that I kind of consume, my view of how the future is how the world it right now, how it treats me as a person from the Caribbean, that kind of stuff. And I want to kind of tell the story from that point of view or see the future from that kind of point of view.
0: Yeah, so like when I was reading it, what I like about the futurism or cyberpunk or however you want to call it, what I like about those is that it being in the future, it can be really anything you want it to be because nobody has any idea about what is going to happen in the future. I mean, we all think it's going to be flying cars, but, you know, what if that doesn't happen? You know, what if it's something sure. be different and the world becomes completely barren, like the electricity doesn't work or um what, I don't even, I can't even think of anything else. Like maybe the Bluetooth stuff that we all think we're we're going to end up getting implants come to find out we can't communicate with each other at all via any type of phone or anything like that at all um any type of um mechanic that involves uh circuits can't work at all so it's like we're all kind of going backwards in a way that could be something that you could have done or anybody could have done but Mm -hmm. like i said with when you're writing in a futuristic setting, it could be anything that you kind of want it to be in a way. So you yeah. can put stuff in there that's expected like flying cars or the VR stuff or the implant stuff, whatever it may be. It can also be something else, depending on what you want to see, depending on what you've experienced. And again, like you said, you're running from the perspective of someone who is from the Caribbean. So then you're adding on another layer to Mm -hmm. that as well, like you're from the islands. So it's like, what would that look like if you're from the islands, but living in 2144 or something like that, which is is a good perspective to see from as well. Yeah, so
1: kind of something from that point of view,
0: um,
1: like in some of my stories, you kind of see old technology and a little bit of that is from, no matter how far we go in the future, we still don't get rid of stuff from our past. So as far as human beings will advance, there is still some group of people in the world who haven't advanced to that level as yet. You know what I mean? They're, we have all flat screen TVs, but there's still people in the world as we live in now that still use the old tube televisions or people who don't have access to some of the same technologies that we have, you know. And sometimes even simple technologies like drinking water and that kind of stuff. And then there's also something about like people dumping old technology on developing nations. So that's kind of stuff that I kind of show want to show inside these stories. Where yes, in the future, these characters because of where they are, their, their technology will not be on the same level as some of the other more advanced countries in the world. You know, um, so that kind of stuff is what I kind of want to show inside the. Uh, the story as well.
0: So from uh, the tragedy of Ruby Pixel to um, the second issue, The Wounded, there's a change in like artwork style. So Mm -hmm. how has your experience been searching for for your collaborators and how did you know that they were right for the job? So how did you know like the first person was right and then the second person, for whatever reason, you switched up and Mm -hmm. changed to a new illustrator?
1: Okay, so it wasn't kind of like a switch. Uh, it's kind of more like a pause where the first artist will continue and finish his art, but he's kind of busy. Um, and in terms of choosing artists, what I tend to do is look at the work that they have done within comic books. And I could look at an artist's work and say, I would like to work with him. And I could see him doing a certain story so let's say I saw an uh, artist with a style that looked like a more kidsy style, I wouldn't think of putting him on a hardcore action book. And if I saw someone with a style that looks, so like they could really do, you know, some, some artists have this style that they really portray energy on the page. They have this real ability to kind of show movement. I may then say, well, if I do a book with him, I would probably do something more sword play or something like that where that artist can shine. So I tend to talk to the artists also, not only looking at their work, I try to find out what they really like to draw, what kind of work they like to work on, so that it's fun and it's a little easier. Because if you give someone something and then you turn around and realize they have a problem and say, well, I really can't draw horses, but you you want them to do a Western, it's going to be gonna be you know it's gonna be hard it's not gonna be an easy path um, in terms of some of the artists I've had on the island, there's a group of us uh, we form a group called Beyond Publishing, and there were a bunch of like minded artists and writers, so a lot of these guys are kind of new for like ten years, so they're kind of like they're my friends and we talk about stuff so sometimes when we get on a project uh because we are interested in some of the same things and talked about stuff, we kind of get that meld and we kind of just kind of enjoy, we get that kind of flow. So sometimes I will work with someone who has that on a book and you will get that kind of thing where sometimes you describe a page and they they just kind of got the same idea as you and they just kind of put them sketches or they sketch something or they change something and it's exactly what you want. And uh, for the wounded, I kind of went on online and I just kind of scoured through tons of artists, so I found one artist that I just kind of liked his style, and I just reached out to him and said, would you be interested in working with me on a book? I like what you did. He really loves you. can do futuristic cyberpunk, and I kind of showed him the, the script and stuff, and it was a bit of a language barrier there, but once we started to connect on the project, everything just started to flow.
0: Okay, so after all these years you've been um, creating, like, graphic novels and comics and whatnot, what advice would you offer to other artists you wish someone would have told you when you first started?
1: Um, from the writing aspect, as a writer, uh, I wish someone would have told me to, like, don't kind of give up, and it's more about uh, learning to write a story and don't get bogged down with the let's say the, the English part of it like the you know it's not an exam kind of thing but try to work on your storytelling try to work on the character building and the world building and that kind of stuff that's more important you can get someone to kind of clean up you know your 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 typing when i first started uh i wasn't that old favorite typing and that kind of stuff um so it was a kind of, I felt like an uphill battle, but also I would tell you that, tell a person, you know, start, if you got an idea, start, don't just sit down for years and say, I had an idea for a book, or I always wanted to write a comic book and start, just start it and do it. Uh, we live in a time now that you can find artists online. Um, you can collaborate with people. It takes time and you'll be, you know, start small don't try also to do you know some big Lord of the Rings epic and that's your first book try to try to start small try to do a book that you can finish you know
0: yeah I totally understand that part I think the first thing that I wrote is still sitting on my computer whereas what I publish now is a lot smaller than what I did I kind of just jumped into it in a way I never really wrote anything before kind of just jumped into it and then I hit a wall and like, okay, we're supposed to do with this, but then I moved on to something else. And now I'm working on the third, I guess the third part or the third book or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. of something that's a lot more tangible in a way. It's like like I, I asked you that question about world building because you know, I'm in an urban fantasy world with like demons, werewolves, vampires, which is not an original idea, mm-hmm. but is how do you keep it? in a way, how do you maintain it in a way that is still yours, even though you're dabbling in a world that's been done a million times over, you know, so I had that issue in the beginning, but I was told, you know, just go for it, and as you continue writing, creating it, drawing it, whatever it may be, it will eventually become yours, because you're putting your time and your energy into it, and you're allowing it to form into something that maybe maybe be bigger than what you expected it to be maybe different to what you expected it to be so you have to yeah. leave that room as well for it to transform into something else that may be completely different than you wanted it to be
1: yeah yeah if you create and if you create as you said you create strong characters they start to grow and the you know they kind of the characters in a way almost kind of guide you on your journey you're writing the story you know for them in a way and something else I'd add to learn from your mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes coming up. It's just like how you said, where the first you drafted your stories sitting on your computer, the first comic book I did, I didn't finish it the way I would have wanted to finish it. But I learned from those mistakes. And every time I just, you know, it kind of got better and better and better at storytelling, at planning, and that kind of stuff.
0: Hmm. Well, my last question for you, Nigel, is what is your idea of success? So I ask this pretty much of everyone, because mm-hmm. as creators, if we're not making regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures or we'll consider ourselves failures mm-hmm. when we compare ourselves to like the status quo of how much money you're, you're supposed to be making. So many of us will put our dreams and projects on the back burner or just give them up altogether because this career can be highly intimidating and competitive so what is your idea of quote-unquote success
1: for me for me uh, success would be having fans that really love my work and enjoy my work um you know i'd i would give i would I prefer fans over at this stage in my career, fans over, let's say monet- monetary uh reward. And it could be because I do have a day job, but at the same time, for me the success is, you know, in your fans, in your fan base. And I remember there were many times I thought I would have kind of just given up or skipped a year from producing and somebody would just meet me and say, hey, when's the next book coming? or when's the next chapter or debate me and ask me something about a character and then you realize that these people are invested in these characters or they're, they're really interested in these characters or want to know what will become of them or why they did this and that kind of stuff and these kind of things kind of propel you to, to continue you know and push on with the projects or not give up.
0: Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on about the Diary of the Stray Dogs, as a, the series as a whole, maybe on the, well, another, the third uh, issue, maybe, if, if you're working on, well, you you're said you're working on five other ones, but is there anything you want to touch on as a whole of the series? Well, I,
1: th- I think it's a side step from the series a bit. Um, I also said that I, I worked, uh, you excited to talk about fantasy. I also worked on a book which is being published by Abrams uh, right now. Um, Megascope there um, in print called Hard Ears, and that's kind of of a a fantasy set in the Caribbean using Caribbean folklore. And that was also a very interesting book for me because it was me stepping out of my comfort zone and doing something different from sci-fi or more violent or more action-packed kind of books. It was a more, as I said, it's a more dealing with things like magic and culture and folklore and that kind of stuff um so that's something too that people are interested in that kind of stuff they could check it out on something else too and and when you work on different uh genres and stuff it helps you kind of you know you kind of get a balance so in my going forward i don't i don't hesitate to collaborate with people or i would never really say well no i'll never write this or no, I don't want to do this. I, I would give it a try because everything you kind of work on, it kind of makes you better. And, you know, you build your portfolio and you build your experience.
0: Well, speaking of collaborating, I have another question. Um, you say you're a part of um, Beyond Publishing Caribbean, right? So yeah. how did that come about with you all coming together? And I guess, was it already created when you joined them? Or was something you all created together and like, what if somebody wants to join? I guess what is this is like a publishing company. Like, what if somebody else wanted to join yeah. one as well? Um. Well,
1: okay. I'll tell you how it first started. Um, it started about fifteen years ago. We, we as a, there were a bunch of artists, writers, everybody was on the same page in terms of wanting to create a book. No one knowing what that really entailed or what to do. Uh, nobody didn't really know about writing scripts, we had artists, who were producing work, that kind of stuff. And, and on our island they had a convention called Anime Con. And everybody was trying to get someone to produce for this Anime Con. And by us coming together, we were able to not only push out the work faster, we were also being able to exchange ideas and stuff. So I was able to research and do things like on demand and that kind of stuff. So when Beyond formed, it was a collective of artists. It was more of like a, a group, something like how like a, a band would kind of come together. and that's how we were formed. and we produced our first set of books to to meet that deadline for that convention. And then from then we kind of stuck together and we've been producing books ever since. Uh, it's a publishing company in terms of we kind of just create books, uh, but not in the greater sense, like a publisher. And if you wanted to join or you wanted to, once you are an artist or writer that is looking to produce and you can produce, you know, just kind of hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and get in contact with us. But it's, you know, you have to be, you have to kind of show that you're willing to, to work Um, Because you have a lot of people who just say, well, I had an idea, or I would like to do this, or I would like to do that. But, uh, you know, you got to kind of put a lot of work into it. That's the difference between creators who get stuff done and creators who just have ideas. You kind of have to give of yourself and, you know, sacrifice, take chances on your own self. We produced a lot of our books out of our own pocket, saving our money and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so you pretty much have to have, like, a portfolio ready to present mm. to you all so they can see, like, at least, at least like, recent work that you've worked on pretty much um, mm. before you can join. So, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, again, I want to thank the creator and graphic novelist of the graphic novel series, The Diary of the Stray Dogs, Nigel Lynch, for joining and sharing with me today. I highly recommend our listeners to give Nigel's graphic novel series a look, share, and buy if they can. All of Nigel's Mm -hmm. socials alongside his website to purchase will be listed in this episode's details for those who are interested. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nuremberg podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank you.